guys, what you probably see right here around me is just emptiness. And for those of you watching uh, on YouTube, you see it. For those listening on audio platforms, you probably are thinking, what is this guy talking about? I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Said it on the ending of last Tuesday's episode, this past Tuesday's episode, I, I am leaving. And this will be the last episode around this set for the you know, last show for Mississippi or in the location of Mississippi for the foreseeable future. I'll come back and probably do a show from a campus one day. Hopefully we get we get to do that and have the pleasure and honor of doing that at a school one day. But right now this is the last little setup here for this podcast for the foreseeable future as we move into a new location up in the great state of Illinois. So with that being said, welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful Thursday morning. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Norris. And whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, listening on Podbean, listening on Apple, we have a big thank you for taking some time out of this Thursday morning to just sit back, watch, and listen to some NFL coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below, Spotify, Podbean, and Apple. All you got to do is just follow on there and share around with us others x instagram and facebook all you gotta do is type in pigskin frenzy follow like the pages there you'll get episode updates you'll get news and highlights from across college and nfl football you will get trivia questions on instagram stories go and answer today's as well as all things up to date for pigskin frenzy nfl day today and man it was a wild week 12 honestly got by the way did not do bad this week about time Thank you, Jesus. You've answered my prayers. Three and one in NFL picks this week for the games that I'm covering. Three and one. And uh, I've been looking for that record because I have not done so hot on the past uh, few games that I've covered in the NFL. So three and one this week for week 12. We're going to recap week this uh, pretty monumentous week 12. We're going to talk about and look ahead to week 13 and some of the top matchups happening this Sunday and tonight even. Spoiler alert, Seattle at Dallas. So Seahawks and Cowboys play tonight on Prime. We're going to cover that one as well. We're also going to talk about who's in and who's out with the latest pigskin frenzy NFL injury report. Spoiler alert on this one, not a whole lot on the injury report because did not get a whole lot of updates as of yet. So I will continue to update you guys on the injury reports on X and I'll remind you that later on in the episode still, but I will, I will keep you up to date on X for sure about the NFL injury reports and updates. But we got three big ones on the report this week. So subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Keep plugging in on Pigskin Frenzy on there. Audio platforms, Spotify, Podbean, and Apple. Keep plugging in there as well as on the socials, X, Instagram, and Facebook for all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Now, Week 12 NFL recap. Let's talk about this, and let's talk about the first game right off the bat that I got wrong. We're going to do this just how we did it Tuesday. Got the Kentucky-Louisville game wrong. Got this game wrong. Jacksonville Jaguars at the Houston Texans. So, I said the Houston Texans were going to win. I thought they were going to win by, a, it was going to be a closer game than it, than it was beforehand because the Texans, last time they played, was 37-17 in Jacksonville, and the Texans won that. I thought it was going to be a lot closer, and I was right on that, but I was wrong about the outcome. Final score, Jaguars 24, Texans 21. Matt Amendola was going to kick a 58-yard field goal to try to see to try to tie the game up and go in overtime, and he missed it. Jacksonville needed ended the game in Houston, and due to that, the Texans have waived K 
kicker, Matt Amendola, which is surprising coming after this game. He also missed a 40-yarder earlier in the game as well. So let's go with the stats and let's break this game down. Trevor Lawrence, 23 for 38 with 364 yards and a touchdown with an interception, one rushing touchdown. Travis Etienne, 12 carries with 56 yards and four receptions with 30 yards. The Ernest Johnson, seven carries with 19 yards, 42-yard reception. Calvin Ridley, five receptions with 89 yards and a touchdown. Christian Kirk, four receptions with 89 yards. Luke Farrell, three receptions with 55 yards. Evan Ingram, five receptions with 49 yards. Zay Jones, 10-yard reception. The defense played solid and racked up four sacks. Linebackers, Foisade, Olukan, and defensive and Devin Lloyd, linebacker from there, were the highlights of this defense. Olukan racked up 12 total tackles and Lloyd notched up eight total tackles. Let's go with the Texans. C.J. Stroud, 26 for 36 with 304 yards and two touchdowns, six carries for 47 47 yards and a touchdown. Even in defeat, C.J. Stroud continued to impress. He he really played good. Uh, The four sacks, we'll talk about that in a minute uh, as this kind of has something to do with the game. Devin Singletary, six carries with 18 yards, six receptions with 54 yards. Damian Pierce, five carries with 14 yards. Welcome back, Damian Pierce. He missed at least three to four games due to an uh, ankle due to an ankle injury. So Damian Pierce, good to have him back. Tank Dell, one carry with 12 yards, five receptions with 50 yards, and a touchdown. Nico Collins, seven receptions with 104 yards and a touchdown. Robert Woods, two receptions with 40 yards. Xavier Hutchinson, 34-yard reception. And the defense racked up one turnover by defensive back Derek Stingley Jr. And linebacker Christian Harris and safety Jalen Pettire were the main highlights of this defense. Harris notched 12 total tackles and Pettire notched nine total tackles. This game was a very close one throughout. I thought this game honestly was a defensive performance from both teams. Uh, let's talk about the Jaguars. They played Sensational on defense. Olukun and Devin Lloyd, those guys were the highlights. They racked the defense itself racked up four sacks. They put a lot of pressure on CJ Stroud, uh, collapsed the pocket and got to him. And I feel like that is a big key of of and a point of victory for the Jaguars this game. They are eight and three. They control the South and they have a tight grasp on that AFC South division with the Texans being second. The Texans did not play a bad game. We're going to talk about them in a minute, but Trevor Lawrence had a good game, 364 yards and a touchdown with also another rushing touchdown, so two total touchdowns for him. Uh, a little beat up. Uh, I don't have an update on Cat, uh, Cam Robinson, uh, O-lineman for the Jaguars, but that was a significant injury there. Uh, you would hate to lose him, and he is one of your key blockers up front for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So he went down with an injury, and it looked pretty significant. So we're going to try to get updates on him. I don't have him on the injury report right now but we will get him up we'll get updates on him on the socials uh as far as i know it's been a busy time for pigskin frenzy as we're shifting gears and moving out of state so but the jacksonville jaguars man they played hard they played physical and they played pretty solid on defense i gotta give them that good defensive performance i mean four sacks four sacks collapsed the pocket for tj stroud there was nowhere to go i think that was a big reason why the Jacksonville Jaguars won this game because it's just being physical and playing some good, strong defense. So that's my Jaguars take. For the Texans, it was the sacks, obviously. That's one. Uh, C.J. Stroud, besides the sacks, did not play a bad game. I feel like they were a little bit outmatched up front, and that is what caused them to 
to lose this game. And, and you're thinking, Joel, you're just repeating yourself at this point. And I, I am. Listen, uh, it was just they were outmatched up front and outmatched on the line of scrimmage. By the way, I think running the ball could have helped a tiny bit and they didn't establish the run a whole lot. I feel like they, they ran the ball a little bit more. It could have done some, did, done the Texans some wonders, I think. Uh, C.J. Stroud did run the ball a little bit with 47 yards, six carries, and a touchdown, uh, but his passing is as lethal. Their passing was fine. They, they, he, he, completed, he completed plays. He had a you know, a 30, like for example, a 34 yard reception to Xavier Hutchinson. He completed some incredible, some explosive plays, but I think they just did not establish the ground game enough and they weren't as physical to compete with Jacksonville in that area. And that's what caused Jacksonville to get the win by three points. Uh, Manny Mandola, uh, we wish him the best in his future endeavors. Uh, unfortunately, he was waived by the Houston Texans. Uh, he did not do the Texans any favors in the kicking game and the special teams department, but uh, things, these things happen. You know, these things happen. It is very hard, even if you're a professional kicker, to make a 58-yard field goal, all right? That is just really difficult to make a 58-yard field goal. So uh, so kudos to him for even trying and going out there and doing that. And unless you're like an elite-level kicker like Justin Tucker, a Jake Elliott, a Harrison Buckner, I just think that it is hard to make a 58-yard field goal, even in the NFL. So that's just my take on it. Um, I think we wish him the best in his future endeavors. I just feel like the Texans need to run the ball a little bit more, and they needed to play some more physical football up front. So the final score, 24-21. Jacksonville moves to 8-3. and three. Houston, they fall to 6-5. and five. And they have a date with the Denver Broncos coming up as we will be covering that game as well. So speaking of the Broncos, let's talk about the Broncos and the Browns. Uh, Browns have the second rushing offense in the NFL going into this week. Uh, they run the ball well, which is surprising because they don't have their star running back in Nick Chubb as he will return in 2024 to a knee injury. But they have Jerome Ford, they have Kareem Hunt, and they have guys that can run the rock well. They are the second rushing team only behind the Ravens. And I was surprised by this game. And I said the Broncos were going to pull off the upset. And they did pull off the upset. So I was right about that. But I was surprised by the outcome score-wise and by the style of play. Final score, Broncos 29, Browns 12. Why am I surprised? Because I thought this game was going to be a lot closer. But the Denver Broncos found a way to hit some of the weak points of that defense and not let them run the ball as much. They ran the ball, but not as much, which they kind of hit some of the keys that I was talking about last week. The Denver just had to find a way to play a complete game on offense and and to try to limit, you know, their running game. And they kind of did. So let's talk about the stats and let's talk about this game as a whole. Russell Wilson, 13 for 22 with 134 yards and a touchdown. 11 carries with 34 yards and a touchdown. Samaj P. Ryan, 7 carries with 55 yards, a touchdown and 11-yard reception. Javante Williams, 18 carries with 65 yards, 3 receptions with 6 yards. Marvin Mims, 2 receptions with 24 yards and an 11-yard carry as I switch over my piece of paper. There we go. Cortland Sutton. Hello there, sir. Three receptions with 61 yards. Jerry Judy, two receptions with 11 yards. 
Adam Trotman, eight-yard touchdown reception. The defense racked up four sacks and forced three turnovers. Linebacker Alex Singleton and safety P.J. Locke were the highlights on defense. Singleton racked up 10 total tackles, and Locke racked up seven total tackles and a sack. That defense was electric. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Dorian Thompson-Robinson for the Browns, 14 for 29 with 134 yards and a touchdown, five carries with 21 yards. P.J. Walker, six for 13 with 56 yards. Jerome Ford, nine carries with 65 yards, four receptions with 14 yards. Kareem Hunt, seven carries with 22 yards. David Njoku, six receptions with 59 yards. The rookie out of Tennessee, Cedric Tillman, four receptions with 55 yards. Elijah Moore, three receptions with 44 yards. Amari Cooper, two receptions with 16 yards. And Harrison Bryant, two-yard touchdown reception. The highlights of this defense were linebacker Jeremiah Oyuso Koromoa with 12 ta- total tackles and a sack, along with defensive back Greg Newsom the second with seven total tackles. So the defense for the Denver Broncos played a lead. In fact, they played a lot better than the Browns, which is surprising because the Browns are last in total defense. That came as a shock to me. The Browns mustered up the effort and play and, is, and you know, with everybody just came together and banded together to force four turnovers and interception. Well, no, I'm sorry. Three turnovers, all three fumbles. My fault. No interception there. So three fumbles. They forced three fumbles. Josie Jewell, Alex Singleton, PJ Locke, Pat Sertan, all those guys, Fabian Moreau, all those guys mustered up, okay? The effort on defense to force three turnovers, and to get four sacks. They went off against the Cleveland Browns on the defensive side of things. Uh, Russell Wilson, it's honestly, and this is weird to say this, they're 6-5 and five now, and they just keep winning. They keep winning. I still can't put my finger, as I'm holding up my finger, if you're watching on YouTube, you see this on audio, just imagining me just pointing my finger up. I just can't put my finger on the Denver Broncos. I just can't do it. I can't, as I'm scratching my face and scratching my head, I can't figure out what's happening. It's like a total, like after the deadline, and I keep mentioning this, after the NFL trade deadline, the Denver Broncos, the switch just turned on and they figured out a way to win some ball games. The the Packers, the Chiefs, the Bills, the they they won last week against they won they won last. I'm trying to think they they played the Browns. They're playing. They they they've been beating everybody. They've been beating everybody. They beat the Chiefs again. They they, they beaten. They beat the Vikings. They beat the Vikings. They beat everybody. And it's and they keep on winning. And and that is just my thing on this. They keep on winning. They're six and five. They are in it for the playoffs. Before the deadline, they were out. No one was counting them in. I was one of those teams. I thought, better luck next year. Let's see if they're going to go for that complete rebuild that everyone was rumored about. No, they're not going to go for a rebuild. We're going to turn the trajectory around with the guys we got now and make the best out of it. And they are. They are making the best out of it. I cannot fathom what is going on in Denver right now. But it's incredible. It's a miraculous turnaround. Six and five. They're six and five. I'm high on Denver right now. I thought the same way about the Patriots, but the Patriots are two and nine. I thought that the Patriots were going to be one of these teams, but they're not. The Denver Broncos are six and five, and they beat the Browns going into this this week, the number one defense in the NFL. 
good on the Broncos. That was my take on the Broncos. Let's talk about the Browns for a second. They're seven and four. They got a game with the Rams coming up. It's a game that if they lose, yes, it's maybe okay. But they after this one, after this Rams game, if they lose, they don't need to lose much. And uh, they're not in total. They're not in Bengals and Bills territory yet. But I would try to tread lightly on losing any more games. That's where we're at with the Browns right now. Uh, it is hard because you lose your running back for the season. You lose your quarterback for the season with Deshaun Watson. And it's hard because you're playing a rookie quarterback. I totally understand. He's developing under the system. And he did not have a bad game. 134 yards and a touchdown for a rookie not bad for Dorian Thompson Robinson. He is trying his best in the league and playing right now for the Browns and making do with what he can. That defense is still strong enough to win you some ball games. And I think that the Browns can do that. I really do. I think the Browns can win them some ball games and they can do and they can do some stuff. Uh, I would not, I would tread lightly and not lose too much. And that is my honest take on the Browns right now. This game, uh, I mean, look at Koromoa and Newsom doing 12 total tackles and seven total tackles. The only thing that worries me about this defense is Miles Garrett. That is a big update there uh, that I will have on the socials coming up later. And I don't have it on the injury report now, but he he felt a pop in his shoulder and he was out being, you know, with, with a sling on during his inner his post-game interview. And that was a little worrisome. You do not want that for Miles Garrett. We're gonna have to figure out what's going on there. I don't have a complete update there yet. But when you look at this Browns defense, there's still the the, the shystiest defense in the NFL, and they are pretty stingy, pretty nasty. And uh, I would tr- I would, you know, just take that lift it up, and move forward, and you can win some games with this defense. That's all I got to say. You just came across a white-hot Broncos team, and that's all I got to say. I just can't put my finger on the Denver Broncos right now. It is just too hard. To just, it's, I'm scratching my head thinking about it. So final score, as I look at the score again, final score, 29-12, Broncos defeat the Browns. 29-12, Broncos route the Browns. Uh, not close on the scoreboard. Uh, Broncos had their way with the Browns, and surprisingly, four sacks and three turnovers got the job done for a Bron- for a defense that was dead last in the NFL. Broncos defense or Browns defense still the best, but uh, let's see if we can try to turn this into wins. Let's turn it into a positive for the Browns. So let's move on and let's talk about this Eagles and Bills game, shall we? Eagles and Bills. I said the Eagles were going to win close. I even said it was going to be by a point or close to a point or by three. I said it was going to be by a three, three points, a point. It's going to be close. And I, I mentioned that it was going to be an Eagles victory close. And I was right. And I was also right about the outcome. It was going to be a close game, narrow lead and narrow win. And it was in overtime, by the way, in overtime, I have IG. Eagles 37, Bills 34. Bills are 6-6. Six and six. Eagles are 10-1. and one. My goodness. 10-1. Uh, <laughs> and one. It's kind of hard to go that route in the NFL. So let's look at the stats and let's break this, fo- this football game down. Jalen Hurts, 18 for 31 with 200 yards and three touchdowns with an interception. 14 carries with 65 yards and a touchdown. And I'm sorry, two touchdowns on the ground. DeAndre Swift, 14 carries with 80 yards. Kenneth Gainwell, two carries with 26 yards and two receptions and 10 yards. 
Boston Scott, two carries with 14 yards. Devontae Smith, seven receptions with 106 yards and a touchdown. A.J. Brown, five receptions with 37 yards and a touchdown. Olamai Zacchaeus, 29-yard touchdown reception. And the defense played tough all game and even forced one turnover. Let's go with the Bills really quick before we break this game down. Uh, Josh Allen was 29 for 51 with 339 yards and two touchdowns with one interception. He also had nine carries with 81 yards and two touchdowns. James Cook, 16 carries with 43 yards, six receptions with 57 yards. Latavius Murray, nine carries with 30 yards, three receptions with 18 yards. Ty Johnson, six carries with 19 yards. Gabe Davis, six receptions with 105 yards and a touchdown. Stephon Diggs, six receptions with 74 yards and a touchdown. Khalil Shakur, three receptions with 47 yards. Dalton Kincaid, five receptions with 38 yards, and he is a go-to target now for Josh Allen. Dalton Kincaid has transitioned nicely as a starting tight end in the NFL. So, And the defense played a played tough as well, racking up two sack, sacks and forcing a turnover. So let's talk about the Eagles really quick. Uh, I mean, I mean, Devontae Smith is now coming into his own. Let's look at, I mean... Going back to the notes, I mean, 106 yards, seven receptions, and a touchdown. Devontae Smith's finally coming into his own. He had kind of a slow start going into it. And the Eagles on defense with Brian Johnson now they're, as their OC has been kind of slow a little bit. Still looking a little bit slow, still a work in progress a little bit. But if a work in progress is 10-1 in the league right now, going into week 13, 10-1, I'm just going to sit there and say it, man. You're doing something nice, right? You're doing something right, okay? So, I mean, you're you're ten and one going into week thirteen. I mean, you're doing something right. So, uh, they look good. Obviously, Jalen hurts at, in overtime. They kicked a field goal to make it <laughs> to to make it. 34-31, Jalen Hurts walks it in for a touchdown, and that ices the game, 37-34. And Jalen Hurts, walk-off touchdown, says, uh, you know, what, what does he say? Sign of a competent quarterback and a sign of a Super Bowl-winning quarterback that you're going to want on your team. Jalen Hurts is a championship quarterback. We need to stop acting like he's not. He is a championship quarterback. He's won a conference championship already. He's been to the Super Bowl. He hasn't won the Super Bowl, but he's been to a Super Bowl, and he most likely could go back this year. So uh, they got a tough game coming up uh, Sunday afternoon in Lincoln Financial Field at Philadelphia. Luckily, it's a home game. It is the NFC Championship rematch between the 49ers and the Eagles. We are covering that game, by the way, and that's a tough game. We're going to get into that a little bit later, but Jalen Hurts... Stop acting like he's on a championship quarterback and stop acting like he is just okay. They signed him to a record-setting deal for a reason, $260 million for a reason, because of winning ball games like that, walking off touchdowns against the Bills, against the Chiefs, winning against, well, not everybody. The Eagles are in there because of that man. Stop acting like he's not. You know, stop acting like he's not this superstar quarterback because he is a superstar quarterback in this league. Now, Devontae Smith coming in on his own. 
A.J. Brown kind of taking a step back a little bit. First half, it was more A.J. Brown. Second half, starting out right now, it's been Devontae Smith's show, and he has been lighting it up uh, the past two games against the Chiefs and the Bills has lit has just lit it up uh, on both accounts. And he has been a, a huge part of this offense these past couple of weeks and the big reason why they won this game this past Sunday against the Bills also. They look good. They played – the defense played well too. I mean, Kevin Byard got about – 15, 14, 15 total tackles. He plays good, and he's coming on, coming into his own on defense as the safety. So the big safety pickup from the trade deadline. So the Eagles playing well overall, and they played a pretty solid game. As for the Bills, uh, because we're going to talk about the Eagles later on, we'll talk about that. As for the Bills, do or die. Those are the words that just came into my mind. Do or die. Do or die is 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 in a mentality that you need to be in for the rest of the season. You can't lose anymore. You lost one there. I picked it. I picked him to lose. I predicted that was going to happen. I said that the the Bills were going to drop this one, and I was right. Yeah, sure. But now you got to not lose anymore in order to make the playoffs. If you keep losing or stumble a couple more times, you're done. And your season's over. The Bills are not that team. They are a, have some talent on their team. Guys like Gabe Davis, guys like Stephon Diggs, Dalton Kincaid, Josh Allen, for crying out loud. They're a, to my opinion, he's still a top five to top ten quarterback in this league. James Cook. I mean, you got uh, Dalton Kincaid now is coming to new his own. You got Von Miller on the other side, Leonard Floyd. You got guys on the defense like that. You, Jordan uh, Jordan Poyer, you got, you name it. And you are too talented to be 6-6. Six and six. Kind of like the next team we're going to talk about here in a little bit with the Ravens and Chargers. So we're going to get into that in a minute, but let's talk about the Bills. They're too talented for this. They're in do or die. Bills are 6-6. Six and six. They're in the hunt for the wild card. So... Let's pull up on the uh, the Joel the Joel phone right here and see who they have next. Now, next game up, bye week this week. Chiefs next up for the Bills. They got to play the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. Tough place to play, and you cannot lose. That's tough. You can't lose. I might cover that game. I do not know yet, but you can't lose that game. And it's tough when you're in a situation like this. Now, keynote here, the Chiefs have lost Mecole Hardman. Kadarius Tony's beat up. Jarek McKinnon's also beat up. They lose a lot. Of, they've lost a lot of their guys due to injury. Let's see what happens with the Chiefs and the Bills. That could be an interesting game coming off the Week 13 bye. Week 14 could be an interesting matchup between the Bills and the Chiefs. But you cannot, and I mean cannot, lose any more games. That's that's just about it. I keep repeating myself on that, but it's a tough situation. Josh Allen leads the league in interceptions. I said, and in turnovers, I said that he cannot turn the ball over. He's got to protect the ball over. A quarterback that talented doesn't need to be leading the league in turnovers. Point blank. Doesn't need to be leading the league in turnovers. He has 16 turnovers. Can you imagine imagine that? Just think, and my mind's exploding right now, 16 turnovers. 
He's a top five quarterback in the league. Just saying, do or die. That's all I got to say about that. Do or die. Next up for the for the Bills, the Chiefs in Arrowhead coming off of a bye week in week 13. That is not this Sunday, but the next Sunday, December, ele- December 10th. So, guys, Eagles play the Niners Sunday. Final score, Eagles 37, Bills 34. We're going to talk about that game here in a little bit. Uh, for the Eagles, they are rocking and rolling. 10-1, best team in the NFC. Conference leader, first round bye again. Bills, got to win. No more, no more losing. And I, they're in that crosswork. They're at that crossroads now. You got to win next, from here on out. Ravens, Chargers. Covered that game for Sunday night football. The Chargers, I said they were going to give them a game. They did, but the Ravens were going to pull away with it, and they did. Final score, Ravens 20, Chargers 10. 10-point game, a little bit of a lower-scoring game, which I think Thought was I, I pictured it was going to be a little bit, maybe a little bit low scoring. Uh, I just felt like they just couldn't stop him in the end, and and I think that's what it was. I think Ravens' defense was pretty nasty as well. The defense for the Ravens are pretty stellar. They are nine and three, and they are the conference leaders, and they are the number one number one team in the AFC right now. Chiefs are number two, number one. Ravens. Let's go with the Ravens stats, go with the Chargers stats, and we will talk about this game. Lamar Jackson, 18 for 32 with 177 yards and a touchdown, 11 carries with 39 yards. Keaton Mitchell, 9 carries with 64 yards, 3 receptions with 25 yards. Justice Hill, 5 carries with 31 yards. Gus Edwards, 8 carries with 26 yards, an 11-yard reception. Zay Flowers, 5 receptions with 25 yards and a touchdown, and a 37-yard rushing touchdown. My goodness, rookie wide receiver Zay Flowers from Boston College, ladies and gentlemen. Isaiah Likely, four receptions with 40 yards. Odell Beckham, three receptions with 34 yards. Rashad Bateman, two receptions with 21 yards. And Nelson Aguilar with a 21-yard reception. The defense forced four turnovers and played stellar all night. Defensive back Brandon Stevens racked up six total tackles, and linebacker Roquan Smith racked up eight total tackles as they were the highlights for the defense. Here to uh, uh here this past Sunday night. So let's go with the Chargers. Justin Herbert, 29 for 44 with 217 yards and a touchdown with one interception, four carries with 47 yards. Austin Eckler, 10 carries with 32 yards, five receptions with 32 yards. Same rushing yards, same passing yards. Interesting there. Interesting. Kenyon Allen, 14 carries with 104 yards. Gerald Everett, four receptions with 43 yards and a touchdown. Alex Erickson, 17-yard reception. Now the defense played the best they could, but couldn't hold the Ravens in the end. But safety, Alohai Gilman and defensive back Dean Leonard were the highlights on this defense with Gilman racking up nine total tackles and Leonard racking up seven tackles. So, again, nothing really you could say about the Chargers. They're four and seven. They could be so much more than they actually are. The talent they got on defense absurd. Joey Bosa's out on IR. I understand that, but you still got Khalil Mack. You still got Derwin James in the backfield. You still got Asante Samuel. The offense, man. You got Austin Eckler, Quentin Johnson, the rookie out of TCU. You got Joshua Kelly. You got Gerald Everett. You got Kenyon Allen, man. You got Mike Williams, even though he's hurt. He's still a talent. You got some playmakers on that team, but you're four and seven. You're four and seven, and and, it, and it's one of those things where it's to me it's you don't know which Chargers team you're going to get. I think they played good this past Sunday. I just think they're playing some good teams that they're getting beat by. Understandable. I understand that to a T. There are some games where they have played 
good teams and or bad teams, and they've not played so good. They haven't played good, and they made bad decision-making as well and bad decision coaching-wise as well. I think it's the coaching. I've said that. Uh, you're, you're thinking, dude, this whole season you've hated on the Chargers. I'm not trying to hate on the Chargers. I'm just trying to state the facts. When you look at the facts, uh, they are at the bottom of the totem pole on defense. They are uh, kind of in the mid-range point of the offense when they have a solid offense and solid playmakers on offense, but they don't need to be. They could be they, they could be so much higher on defense. They don't have to be dead last, and I'm not saying be top five, even though they have playmakers to be top five defense, but be at least in the top 15 to, a, to maybe 11th in total defense or 10th in total, or 11th in total defense with a uh, top six or top seven offense. The Chargers are too good to be mid to dead last in the totem pole in both offense and defense. That's just my take. That's just my take. They're four and seven. They're too good to be four and seven. That is my honest opinion. I know they got a tough, tough outing with a lot of some with a lot of these teams that they, they, they are good. I mean, the Lions, the Ravens, the Chiefs, they're good. The Cowboys, they are good. I understand, but they got some playmakers to fire back at these teams. And I think it's coaching, and I think that's what's holding them back at this current point in time. So that was the Chargers' take, the Ravens' take. They look good running the ball. What can I say? They are the number one rushing team in the NFL. They average so many yards per play, man. I mean, I mean, when you average six to seven yards per play by running the football, come on, man. Come on. That's going to kill defenses. It's going to hurt teams. And I feel like that's what the Ravens are trying to do. They're trying to bleed out a defense by running it and running it and running it. They got some guys. Keaton Mitchell is coming into his own. You got Ju- Gus Edwards, Justice Hill. Zay Flowers can obviously run the ball, as you saw from a 37-yard touchdown. And then you got your main guy with Lamar Jackson who can throw and run. and it's just it's just hard to stop their rushing attack. They're a they're the best running team this season in the NFL. They can run the rock as well. Now their throwing is still hearsay, right? It's still just up for up for debate. They can throw the ball great some games. They can throw the ball decent some games. Uh, kind of a hot and cold mix when they run the ball when they pass the ball, but when it, when when push comes to shove, you can rely on the run and rely on the the run game for that offense, right? I think what I need to see from the Ravens just a little bit more to go deeper into the playoffs is to throw the ball consistently a lot more, and then they will be more of a scary team because they're already a scary team on offense with running the ball. But I think if they throw the ball deeper and throw the ball more, they're going to be a team that could win the AFC and could go to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas this year. And who knows, could hoist up a Lombardi trophy. Is that an early prediction? I'm not saying it is, but the Ravens look like a team now that are not that first-round elimination team. They are a team that could probably make a run in the playoffs. So watch out for the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, they look pretty solid on offense. Uh, Their defense is absolutely nasty. I mean... Look at what they're doing on defense. Like four, let me go back to the stats and here on this piece of paper. Four turnovers on defense. Four freaking turnovers. 
I mean, let's go back. Justin Herbert, interception, three fumbles. When you look at that defense and when you look at that team, they got talent. Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, Kyle Hamilton. Obviously, you got Brandon Stevens down in the fold. Geno Stone, you got a lot of those guys, man. They are dogs, and they are they are a good and strong defense. They are a top defense in my mind. Now, they cut the, the penalties are also a factor in this. I didn't think about it. I need to think about that for a second. The penalties are could be a lot better. They're going into this game. They were 10th in penalties in the NFL. They need to clean those up still. But if you clean those up, run the ball efficiently and, more, and pass the ball more consistently and keep playing strong defense, it's going to be kind of hard to beat the Baltimore Ravens. Football 101, guys. That's all I got to say. Football 101. Final score was 2010. Ravens defeated the Chargers. Chargers are 4-7. and seven. Ravens are 9-3, and three, and they are at the top of the food chain in the AFC. That was the Week 12 NFL recap. Let's talk about other news in the Pigskin Frenzy NFL injury report before we talk about the games that we're going to be covering in Week 13. So, other news. Before we go to the injury report, not... A whole lot, but let's talk about it. The Panthers have fired head coach Frank Retch after going 1-10 this season, and the Panthers have also fired assistant head coach and running back coach through Staley and quarterback coach Josh McCown. It has not been the season that anybody has hoped for in Carolina. Of course, right? Pretty sure that everybody has, has seen that. They're 1-10. Uh, no one wants to go 1-10. This is a 1-and-done. They didn't really think, okay, this this could have gone a lot better his first year. And it could have and probably should have. So do I think it's the right call? Maybe so, yeah. One in ten is a bad record. I understand that. Now, the Panthers, what they really need is help on the O-line and receive more receivers. They got DJ Chark and they got Adam Thielen, yes. They got Miles Sanders also, yes. But they need a little bit more depth at the receiver position, and they need a little bit, and they need a little bit, well, a lot of depth at the O-line and at the, you know, I would say at the O-line position and starting O-line. They need more and more precise O-linemen. So receivers, O-line, those are their key needs for this upcoming offseason and NFL draft, free agency, you name it. They need to focus on those two specific areas because Bryce Young needs help. Guys, you're thinking, oh, it's Bryce Young. He's not, you know, not the number one overall draft pick. They should have picked C.J. Stroud. That is the debate I've been hearing on Twitter and been con- people DMing me on Twitter saying, dude, they should have picked C.J. Stroud over Bryce Young. Guys, Bryce Young is a good quarterback, and I believe that Bryce Young can be a good pro quarterback with if given the chance. Now, I could be wrong. They may go out and build a stacked O-line. They may go out and build a great receiving core, and he may still play like he is now, not good, right? And he may not play, have the hat, not be a good quarterback, and he turned out to be a, a total bust. I don't know. I don't know that. But let's give him time to develop. No, there's not going to be a lot of people that are going to make an immediate impact like a CJ Stroud, like a Josh Allen, like a Joe Burrow, like a Mahomes, like uh, anybody, like a. I'll even give oh, an example from when I was a baby, like a Tom Brady. You're not going to make 
a immediate impact all the time. There's going to be people that do. There's going to be people that don't. Bryce Young's not making an immediate impact. Why? Because he doesn't have the help necessary to make that immediate impact. They're 1-10. in 10. Yes, they need to play the rest of their season out, go to the offseason, and fix the O-line and fix the receivers and give Bryce Young time to throw and give him some guys to throw to. Give him some help because he doesn't have that in Carolina right now. That's the best thing to put it. Game Step one was to draft a future franchise quarterback. Y'all did that with Bryce Young. I believe he's got the talent to be, a, to be everything you guys want and then some. Step two. You don't have the guys and the weapons around him to utilize to win some ball games. Step two now is to follow follow up the Bryce Young pick with some weapons around him and an O-line that can help him out. Number three, develop it all. You develop it all, and then you're good, right? Then step four, you win ball games after developing all of that. Those are that's the four that's the four plan right there the four plan that you the four step plan that you need for the Panthers right now. I've been hearing a lot about former tight end and former Panthers tight end retired tight end now Greg Olson being interested in if approached being the next head coach of the Carolina Panthers per the Athletic. That is actually kind of mind boggling a little bit. I didn't think about that. Uh, I don't have an opinion on that. I got to see if it happens, and if it does happen, then I will probably have an, a, a, a say-so in what I'm thinking on that. But right now, I'm not going to look at for that. They're going to have to find a coach, and they're going to have to find the right fit to help develop Bryce Young and help develop an O-line for him and develop receivers for him to try to not only win games, but to try to take, take control of the NFC South and hopefully get a playoff spot in the NFC. So let's see what the Panthers do, and let's see how they develop Bryce Young. They have fired Frank Rich after going 1-10 this season. They have also let go of Deuce Staley, assistant head coach and running back coach, and quarterback coach Josh McCown. So let's dive deep into the pigskin frenzy NFL injury report. Three. Only three right now. I will have more updates. Like I said, we'll have more updates on everything else going on to X. It's been a busy time as we are relocating to Illinois. So everything's been kind of busy on my, you know, on my end, but still have time to do this show this morning. So uh pigskin frenzy, NFL injury report. Let's go with the three things right now. Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson is expected to return versus the Raiders in week 14. Following the bye week, he has been playing, he's been on IR and has missed six games due to a hamstring injury. And he is expected to be at 100% once he returns from the bye week. Good news for them. They get their star wide receiver back and they need him back. Um, they lost to the Bears this past Monday to bring them to six and five. Um, the Bears, big upset win for the Bears. Not taking anything away for the Bears, but the Vikings, uh, four turnovers. They need some more help there, and I think Josh, Justin Jefferson can provide that help for Josh Dobbs moving forward and for the rest of the season. So. Big time return there for the Vikings and big need for them as he comes back off of IR and now 100%. And 100% Justin Jefferson, 
is a pretty solid Justin Jefferson. So Vikings return him. Chiefs wide receiver Nicole Harvin has a thumb injury and will miss three more games due to it. He is a, he is on IR. He missed the game against the Raiders. That was his first game that he missed, and now he will miss the next games, uh, including the Buffalo Bills game. So he is on IR. Uh, they were also down Jarek McKinnon, and they were also down Kadarius Toney. Uh, don't, Tony was dealing with a hip and ankle injury, uh, and I think McKinnon was dealing with a leg injury. So uh, some key losses on offense there and some key weapons gone. But that was no problem because they did defeat the Raiders this past Sunday. But as time goes on, let's just keep an update on Nicole Harmon and see when he can come back. And let's see what happens there. So Chiefs wide receiver Nicole Harmon's a thumb injury. We'll miss three more games due to it. He's on IR. So, oh, uh, and now lastly, Rams running back Kyron Williams returned Sunday versus the Cardinals after being on IR due to an ankle sprain. He missed a few games, didn't he? <laughs> he missed a few games. It is a much need. It's a it's a much need, right? It's a must need that he returns to the Cardinals and he played a pretty solid game and he had a good workload Sunday and he had a Pretty good run, rushing attack against the Cardinals this past Sunday. They won 37-14. The Rams looked pretty good on offense, and bringing Kyron Williams back into the fold, running the ball, certainly helped them. So good on him for coming back and making his return off of IR there. So that's the that's the injury report. Uh, we're 44 minutes into this episode, so we probably won't have much time left. Uh, I, I won't have much time left. It's going to be a shorter episode now. But uh, Kyron Williams, uh, good pickup and good return there for the Rams. That's all I got for the injury report this week. Thoughts and prayers for everybody on this list. And by the way, I will just keep an eye on some key, some key stuff like Miles Garrett's shoulder. That's a key thing. T Higgins, Cam Taylor, Britt, those two guys as well. I'll get more updates as the weeks go on. And, and not only that, just keep update as the, as the days go on, on X. I just didn't have any updates this time, but I will give more updates once I find out about more on the socials. So let's dive deep into the week 13 preview and predictions of the games that I'm covering. And let's conclude today's episode of Pick Skin Frenzy with that. So tonight's game, Seattle Seahawks at the Dallas Cowboys. Seahawks are six and five. Cowboys are eight and three. Let's talk about the keys to this game, shall we? Geno Smith, who has been dealing with a sore bicep, um, he played through the injury. Uh, Kenneth Walker did not play Thursday. Uh, let's see, last Thursday, let's see if he plays tonight. Um, Geno Smith will play tonight, dealing with that shoulder, that bicep soreness, and it's just going to linger is what he said. But a key thing that I noticed in the 49ers game was Geno Smith held onto the ball quite a lot, longer than he should have against against another stellar defense this week. You need to make quick plays, and that is the key for the Seattle Seahawks. Geno Smith has to make quick quick plays on offense. Hopefully, they turn into explosive plays and catch Dallas off guard on that end, and they find a way to score some points. I think if you keep the ball, if you keep the ball too long, you're going to give Dallas time to sack, collide, uh, crush the pocket up, sack, and even cause more chaos. So, they Geno Smith needs to make quick plays in order to get this this or try to make this game a little bit competitive and to get and hopefully get the win in Dallas tonight. So uh, for the Cowboys, you just got to play, just keep doing what you're doing on defense and play physical defense against the Seattle Seahawks and just play physical defense. Like I just mentioned, make Geno hold on to the ball long, collapse the pocket, sack, 
force turnovers and you just cause chaos like you've been doing all defense all year. Dan Quinn should be up up for a head coaching job for the performance that he has done this year with the Dallas defense. He was the former Atlanta head coach, uh, a former Atlanta Falcons head coach. He got let go. Now he's the Dallas defensive coordinator and he has lit it up for Dallas. So uh, let's see what happens here. I think it's going to be, this is an interesting game here on Prime tonight. Who do I have winning this ball game? I personally do not think it's going to be all that close. I think it's going to be close around the third quarter, and Dallas will pull away. Final score, Dallas 28, Seahawks 10. I think it's going to be a 28-10 victory. Cowboys 28, Seahawks 10 on prime tonight, Thursday night with Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit on the call. Give me the Cowboys 28-10. Cowboys go to 9-3, and and Seahawks go to 6-6. and Now, Broncos at Texans. Interesting game there. I think... Honestly, it's a white-hot Broncos team going to a pretty white-hot Houston Texans team that just is coming off of a tough loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Six and five and six and five. Something's got to give here. Will the Broncos reign a rebirth and magical reappearance of Russell Wilson come to a screeching halt Sunday? Now, keys to this one, you got to be physical on the line of scrimmage and you got to pressure CJ Stroud because still going into this week, the Broncos are last in defense. I think you got to try to figure out a way to bring that Brown, that Browns win momentum and how you played on defense into the Houston game. You got to try to win on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football. And you got, especially on the defensive line to where you can create pressure for CJ Stroud, collapse the pocket a little bit and collapse CJ Stroud and make him make turnovers and make him try to try to force him to get off the field. And I think that is a, Big thing for the Broncos going into this football game. And if you can do that, you have a shot to win this football game. Texans, you got to capitalize on explosive plays on the Broncos defense. Uh, Texans are fifth in offense. They're a top five offense in the NFL with being fifth in offense. And the Broncos are last in defense in the NFL. So stats don't lie still. Uh, the Broncos have not been playing with their last in defense, but apparently, according to my sheets, they are. Don't know how, but I don't know. So you got to capitalize on those explosive plays. One of the big things that I saw from that Jaguars game with the Texans was they did not, they, they got down the field and they had explosive plays, but they didn't capitalize on those explosive plays. I feel like the Texans need to capitalize more on those explosive plays, uh, some of those big plays. And I feel like that's what the Texans need to do. They capitalize on those explosive plays on a, Defense that has not been good all that has not been so hot all year. Just in the last couple of games, the Broncos have been. So let's just see here. Who do I have one of this game? Very tricky. Very tricky for both because this could go either way. It's a coin flip between the two. But right now, there is so much magic in the air for the Denver Broncos that I have to pick them again. I have to pick them again. Give me the Broncos to win this game and to go seven and five. They win the game. It's going to be another close game. Give me a 27-24 win. Broncos 27, Texans 24. Texans go 6-6, six and six, and the Broncos go 7-5. and five, And they keep on riding and potentially to a playoff berth. Can you believe it? The Broncos 27, Texans 24. The Broncos, their magical 
rebirth continues and Russell Wilson's rebirth continues by winning 27, 24 against the Texans. Now Browns at Rams, Browns seven and four Rams five and six game. That probably is a must win for the Rams at this point, but for the Browns, you don't really, you can't really can't afford a loss here either. So uh, for the Browns, you got to win up front on both sides of the ball. I think if you win up front on both sides of the ball, it's basic football 101. You went up front on the defensive side. You went up front on the O-line. You make explosive plays and you run the ball well. The Browns will win this ball game. You just got to be physical and win on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football. Now, for the Rams, you have to be physical, obviously, but you also have to establish the run game with Kyron Williams. I think if you establish uh, a run game with Kyron Williams, with the help of the O line and a very against against a very physical Browns team, then you got a shot at pulling off the upset here at home and going six and six, and you're still in it if you're the Rams. If you get this win, you're still in it. If you're the Los Angeles Rams, so establish the run with Kyron Williams and feed him and let him run the rock. Who wins this football game? Close game. I think it's going to be a close game until the fourth quarter. I don't think it's going to be a runaway at all. Uh, Close game, a little bit low scoring. Give me the Browns winning this game. I'm going to pick the Browns right now. Browns at Rams. I like the Browns in this spot right here. They win the game by a score of low scoring, actually. Give me 16-13. And you're going to think, well, that's a different, interesting score. Give me one of those scores. Give me Browns 16, Rams 13, and they win the game. Browns seven and five, uh, eight and four, Rams five and seven, Browns 16, Rams 14, and they move up to eight and four. Browns do. So, last game before we conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy 49ers at Eagles. 49ers eight and three, Eagles 10 and one. This is a very tricky game for both teams, but a little bit more on the Eagles side. I think this is a tricky game. Let me tell you in a minute. Keys to this game, the defense needs to bring chaos and force Jalen Hurts and that offense to turn the ball over. That's a defense that can do it. I think if anybody can force a little bit of pressure on Jalen Hurts, that that work in progress, quote-unquote, offense to turn the ball over, I think that's the defense that can do it. You got Nick Bosa, you got Chase Young, you got Dre Greenlaw, uh, you got uh, Ken Law. You got Fred Warner. You got a lot of those guys on that defense that can cause a little bit of, you know, chaos to turn the football over. So if you look at the swing of things, that defense is pretty salty, and they can do that. They can force pressure on that offense. So, <clears throat> excuse me, force pressure on that offense and to turn the ball over uh, for the Eagles' side. So that's my key for the Niners. For the Eagles, I would say let the running game flow in this one with DeAndre Swift and Kenneth Gainwell. I think if you run the ball more on with both backs and split the odds up between the two, uh, I think they can, they can find a way to tire that defense out a little bit and try to capitalize on a close win by running the football a little bit more. I think running the football it can be essential in this game to the Eagles with DeAndre Swift and Kenneth Gainwell. Here's a tricky game. This game, and who? Do, let me just go on. Who do I have winning this game? That's probably why you're asking that. Who do I have winning this game? This game's tricky on both accounts because it could go either way. I could see it go either way. Scenario one, the Eagles could run wild. 
could run wild. I think they could run wild. They could run the ball. Jalen Hurts can make some clutch plays, and it could be a somewhat of a 10-point win or a 15- to 16-point win for the Eagles. The 49ers could seal the game with a turnover and win it close. That is a second scenario. Or the Niners can win it outright if they wanted to because when healthy, they're one of the best teams in the league. The Eagles are 10-1. and They have been on a spectacular run. However, I honestly think this game's going to trip them up. They've come close to losing against the Chiefs. They've come close to losing against the Bills. I think this is the game they get tripped up on. Give me the 49ers to go into Lincoln Financial Field and upset the Eagles. 49ers, 27, Eagles, 21. 49ers, 27, Eagles, 21. The 49ers go to 9-3. and The Eagles go to 10-2. and This is the game the Niners, if they're completely healthy, go into Lincoln Financial Field and trip up the Eagles in the NFC Championship rematch. 49ers 27, Eagles 21, and the Niners get an upset win in Philadelphia Sunday. That is the episode for Pigskin Frenzy today. Guys, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Thursday morning to just sit back, watch, and listen to some NFL coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below. Spotify, Podbean, and Apple for listening on there. Share around with others and follow on there as well. Instagram, Facebook, and X, all you got to do is type in Pigskin Frenzy. Follow and like the pages there. You'll get episode updates. You'll get news and highlights from across college and NFL football. You'll get trivia questions on Instagram stories. Go and answer today as well as all things of today for Pigskin Frenzy. Guys, last episode with this plain wall set around me is going to look a little bit different heading into next week for Pigskin Frenzy. New location, new setup, new feel of the show, and we're going to, you know, recap conference frenzy this weekend and talk about the selection Sunday and some of the bowls and talk about one, the Army-Navy game, and the Heisman Trophy Award presentation. Guys, thank you for joining us here today. I'm Joel Norris signing off. And until Tuesday, for everybody out there, stay the course.